Yes, Jesus Christ is alive. He rose from the dead and that day, that Easter Sunday morning, that first Easter, when Mary and Mary Magdalene and Salome went to the grave expecting to anoint a dead body. They saw the angel sitting there and they said, where is Jesus? The angel said, he is not here, he is risen. I submit to you tonight that that's the greatest news the world has ever heard. He is not here. He has conquered the grave. He's alive. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe that there's more proof that Jesus Christ rose from the dead than almost any other fact in Roman history. I don't believe there's a fact in ancient history today so well proven as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But even if there was no proof, no historical proof, no scientific proof, and there is, I would still believe it because I believe this book is God's inspired word and the whole early church went up and down the country preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the thing that shook the Roman Empire that a man had risen from the dead, that he was alive, that death could not hold him. Christ is alive. He's a living Savior. Amen. He is alive. He is alive. He is alive. That's why we gather on Resurrection or Easter Sunday as our world knows it. Amen. There's a, a tradition, uh, I would say he is risen, you would say he is risen indeed. Can we try this? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Let's do it again. He is risen. He is risen, risen indeed. And that reality changes everything. There is this reality that Jesus' resurrection demonstrated his love, demonstrated his power, and it is available to us each and every day. In fact, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about a power like no other, a power that's available to us when maybe we don't even realize what's there and what's accessible. Uh, Yesterday, we had this amazing event. You'll notice some sunburns around, mine included, and uh, we had an egg drop event and uh, great outreach to the community. 7,609 people registered and were here. Can we give God the glory? And... We're so excited if you're one of those online or in person. We're so glad you were a part of what God is doing and that you're back today. We know more will come back. And and as the event's unfolding, I'm out in shorts and a t-shirt. Somebody looked at me and said, wow, I'm not used to you in shorts. And I had to apologize, you know, for the condition of my legs, I guess. I don't know. Uh, But I was floating around the event, and part of my role was to help with the inflatables. My wife, Cindy, actually was managing the people side of it, and I was just trying to make sure they were. And if you knew uh, my skill set, you would know that that's a scary thought because I'm not the handiest guy in the world. And uh, so, you know, you have moments where when the power's on, the inflatables are on and all the kids come running and there's life and everybody's enjoying it. And then stuff would happen, right? A, A generator would run out of fuel. Anybody feel like you've run out of fuel in life today? A generator might trip a breaker or a wire and, and it needed to be tripped and flipped back on. I think that's the technical language. Some of us may feel like we've tripped a wire, tripped a breaker in life, and there's this God who says, listen, I want to bring you to life, and I have a power for you, and it's a power to fuel you with whatever you're going through today, 
It's a power that if you feel like something is out of alignment, he can trip that breaker and get you back where you need to be. And maybe for some of you, for the first time today, you'll understand who Jesus is and what he offers you. And that will be when the light really comes on and the switch is really flipped. But that's been my prayer this morning, is that we would understand the power of the gospel and this power like no other. If we look at Jesus, you know, he walked in a power like no other, and that power is life-changing. That power is life-changing and changes us from the inside out, changes us and the world around us when we really begin to understand it. The Apostle Paul in Romans 1 verse 16 that said this, he said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God, say power, of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Can you say believes? believes? To the Jew first and also to the Greek. You see, he's saying that there's this power in the gospel that is for everyone. Jew, Greek, that would also mean Gentile, all of us. That it's available in Jesus and in the gospel. As we think about that, I wonder if we can say definitively like Paul did that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because we live in a day and age where it's tempting in the currents we live in, in the context and the culture that we're swimming in, to be ashamed of the very thing that is available to change us and to change those around us. Paul's saying, despite what everyone else may be doing, despite whatever else is going on in the world, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, of the power of the gospel. And I want to bring us back to that place today because for some of us, God is going to remind us of who he is, what he wants to do, and how he wants to show out through you with his power, and we need to not be ashamed. He's that good, amen? As I was thinking about moments where maybe I've been ashamed in my own faith walk, you know, they're not gospel moments. They're moments where I've hidden my title as a pastor Where where I've known the world we live in that that's not always a great thing. In fact, often when I say, yeah, I'm a pastor, a wall goes up and people run for the doors. (laughs) It's just the way it is. In here, maybe not, but out there, it's immediately like I have leprosy is how it feels some days. Now, for you, it may not be the pastor title, maybe the title of Christian. That actually in the world we live in, to be a Christian right now means things that often come with a sense of a world that doesn't tolerate or like the way we show up anymore. And I want to submit to you that if that's you, maybe I've had a moment like that too, where I wanted to preface for people, hey, I'm not ashamed of being a Christian or of the gospel, but I want to clarify when I say Christian, I'm not saying in name. I'm not saying in bumper sticker. I'm not saying in cross or t-shirt. I'm saying it as I'm a Christ follower. Do you understand the difference? You see, as we look at this today, there is something God wants to do in each of our lives that would help us to realize this power like no other and to not be ashamed of it, but to show up in our daily life with it and to share that with the people around us. 1 Corinthians 1.18, Paul says this, because he was dealing with some of the same struggles, tensions, and temptations. He had a world looking at the cross and saying, that's foolish, that's Cross was, in fact, capital punishment. It was a sign of execution and humiliation. And here's Jesus showing up as the king on that cross. 
you better believe there was a world going, I don't get it, I don't want it, that's ridiculous. So Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And that is really good news. May we get back to the cross and to the gospel. And so I've used that word a few times, and you may be going, well, what is the gospel? Let me explain it to you. The gospel means, the word itself, good news. In the Roman Empire, they worshipped their emperor. It was a cult that worshipped the Roman emperor. So they actually, this is a Roman word, gospel, that, that would mean that the people would celebrate the new emperor and they would worship the good news of a new emperor, Caesar Augustus. Whoever filled that role for their lifetime, people would understand that as the good news. When they died, they believed wrongly and falsely that that emperor would actually be in now a deity and another god. It was false. Can you imagine the shock the awe when the early church adopted the language gospel and good news and began to proclaim with power that there was a new Messiah, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that this gospel is the real gospel. So what is the gospel? John 3, verses 16 through 18. Here's what they were proclaiming. Here's what we proclaim today. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That is such good news, isn't it? That in a fallen, broken, dark world without hope, Jesus loved us. God loved us. And he sent his son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, we need to read on and understand how good this news really is. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. You see, if we stop at verse 16, we miss that yes, Jesus loves us and he's died for us and he's available and he offers eternal life and life to the full, we learn in Scripture. But if we stop there, we miss that actually there's a doctrine, it's called the total depravity of man. That, that you and I are born with a sin nature, that we're born already condemned to pay the price for our sins. And, and we live in a world right now that is teaching many of us that, oh no, you're a good person. You're a good person. We're all inherently good. And, and I'm here to burst that bubble because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I, I'm here to tell you, I'm sorry, you're not as good as you think you are, neither am I. That, that in fact, we're born with a sin nature. We sit and stand and walk and live under this condemnation that is only satisfied and fulfilled through belief in Jesus Christ and what he offers us. So what does he offer to us? Romans 6.23 says it this way. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I want to draw for you something on the screens that illustrates this and then will lead us into another part of what we need to believe and understand about this gospel. 
So, so some of you are aware of this, but what it is describing in Romans 6.23 is this chasm that exists. I'm not an artist. Hang with me. It says, for the wages of sin is death. So we have our sin leading to death. It says that the gift of God is eternal life. It's a gift through Jesus that God has given us because of his great love. Now, the bridge is Jesus. It's not your works. It's not your abilities. It's not your strength. It's not the things that make you feel like you're doing all right. You're showing up. You're doing right. You're good enough. No, none of us are good enough. It's Jesus. We place our faith and belief in Jesus. And it's actually what he did in fulfilling on the cross for us and in his resurrection that grants us this life. Now, here's the thing. This moves us from death to life, amen? This is the gospel. This is salvation. This is the rescue. This is what Jesus does when we receive him and accept him. But here's the thing. If we stop there, we miss that actually Jesus doesn't just save us one time, he saves me and you every day. Amen. That every day he shows up and he saves us from ourselves. In addition to that, scripture teaches us that to be a Christian is to be saved by Jesus, to continue being saved by Jesus, and to one day be saved when he returns. Now here's what most of us maybe have missed in this illustration. You see, God places us in this new life, he calls us a new creation. And while we may have moments and days and temptations to pull us back to the old life and to the old way, to be a Christian is to live our life on that side of the gift. To believe that God's power showed up to bridge me, but also shows up to help me live a new life. Amen? Well, pastor, where are you getting this? If you go to the next slide, Romans 1.17 illustrates for us right after the gospel what it means to be a Christian. Because you may be asking yourself, okay, I want to receive Jesus and be born again and, and, and receive the gospel and receive that gift of life. What does it mean to live on the other side of that illustration, that picture? That is what it means to be a Christian. A Christian in Acts 11 verse 26, I believe it is, was the first time in the Antioch that they were, the believers were called Christians. And they were called Christians because what people saw was they were followers of the way. That's what it means. They were followers of the way of Jesus. That it wasn't just a belief in Jesus, but a willingness to live for Jesus and to walk in the life of Jesus and the power of Jesus and the righteousness of Jesus in their daily life. Come on, church. That's what it means to be a Christian. Now, here's how Paul says it in Romans 1.17. He says this, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Those that have been saved and rescued by the gospel, those that have been made right, live by faith. Now, he's actually, if you notice there, it's in quotations because he's quoting an Old Testament prophet. Let me show you what that prophet said because it matters for each of us today. Uh, it's, he said this, behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. 
So let's leave that there for a minute because we see one of the obstacles and one of the barriers to the gospel and to showing up and living as a Christian and to actually receiving the power of God. It's our own pride. It says their soul was puffed up. And I don't know about you, but there are many moments where my soul is tempted and on my bad days it does rise up. Anybody else? Where we begin to puff up and allow pride to get in the way of a God who says, quit trying to do it on your own. Quit trying to figure it out. Don't rely on your strength. Rely on mine. Allow my power like no other to show up. But if our soul is puffed up, God doesn't show up in the same way. And so as we think about this, I just want to say this on Easter Because we know online right now and in person, there are some of you who are here on Christmas and Easter only, and we want to just say, we love you, we welcome you, and I want to confess that I'm sorry for how sometimes we as Christians have shown up. Because what you've seen is pride, you've seen something other than Jesus, In fact, I would just submit to you, if that's you, please quit looking at other people and look to Jesus. Because the church of Jesus Christ is beautiful, but it's also a mess because it's filled with people. And we're a mess. But if we can get our eyes off of each other and see Jesus... Without a soul puffed up, we'll begin to receive all that he has and all that he wants for us. That is what God wants to do and what he offers us because he wants to show up in everyday life. Not just on a service like this. He wants to show up in everyday life as we walk by faith, as the righteous, it says, live by faith. Jesus did miracles. He demonstrated that power. He demonstrated, then went to heaven after his resurrection. He ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he said, you wait for power that comes from me. And when that power comes, you're going to live for me, and you're going to spread the gospel across the world. So what did Jesus do, and how did his, the power show up in his life? You know, there's an author and pastor, Glenn Packiam, that said this, miracles are not God overriding the laws of the universe. They are signs of God at work within his world. That God does do miraculous, powerful things. And when we look at the Gospel of John, there's seven moments that I want to take you through very quickly. You're like, whoa, yeah, watch this. I'm going to go so quickly, but do it in a way that hopefully helps you to see what Jesus was demonstrating for us. That there's a power available in our everyday life as Christians. So Jesus walked in a power like no other and he is life changing. Here's the first example. He showed up and transformed water into wine. He has the power to transform. In John chapter two, verse seven and eight, it says, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. Water into wine, the power to transform. What do you need God to transform in your life today? He's able. And notice that there's a pattern that you'll see in all seven of these. Jesus speaks. We place belief in Jesus and in his power. He speaks and we obey him. And then we begin to see him work. 
What does that mean? It means we need to listen to Jesus. Quit asking him to bless your plans and ask him what his plan is. Ask him what his will is. And then obey, and he's going to show up. The second one, the power to restore. In John 4, verse 50, a man comes to him and says, My child is dying. Jesus says this, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went on his way. God has the power to transform and to restore. He also has the power to heal. A man who had never walked, Jesus encounters him. Chapter 5, verse 8 of John, Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. And some of us need to hear that today. Get up! Quit sitting in your pain. Quit sitting in your misery. Quit sitting in it in your strength and say, Jesus, lead me out. Lead me forward. It's time to get up. He can do it. He's a healer. He is able. He's also a provider. Jesus is able and has the power to provide. He fed the 5,000 when they came to him and the crowds were hungry. John 6, verse 10 says, have the people to sit down. So we go from get up to sit down, right? Again, what, what does it matter? What he said to do, obey him. So he has the power to provide. He says, have them sit down. Now there was so much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number, and they were fed. He can provide. Whatever you need, he can provide. Listen to him. Jesus also has the power to change. He changed water. We don't know how this happened, if it was him, the water, but he walked on water, y'all, and we believe it. John 6, verse 20, he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. He has the power to change our situations. He has the power. 1 John 4, 18 says that perfect love, that he cast out fear with his perfect love. He has the power to change, Amen. Chapter 9, verse 7 of John, the power to replace. A man born blind is given new eyes. He replaces his blind eyes with new eyes. God has the power to replace. He looks at the man and says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. What do you need God to replace today in your life? What do you need to bring to him and say, God, could you replace this? Could you do something with this? I'm telling you, his power is able. John 11, verse 43, the power to resurrect. His friend Lazarus had died, had been placed in the grave for four days. Jesus taught others that he is the resurrection and the life. He would demonstrate his ability to resurrect by calling out his friend. In verse 43, it's really simple. Lazarus, come out. That was my preacher voice. (laughs) And some of us need to hear, insert your name, come out. Come out of hiding, come out of hurting, come out of giving up on whatever it is that you think can't be resurrected and know that your God can resurrect any and every situation. He's here to give you hope today. He's here to give you life today. He is worthy of our praise. His love is available and his power is present. He has a power like no other. To save and rescue, but also for us to live and to follow him. So let me ask you two questions today as we think about our next steps. What do you need Jesus' power to do in your life today? 
Let me remind you what Romans 1 verse 16 says. It says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So whatever you need his power to do, walk away from shame, walk away from the hiding, walk away from the fear, place your faith in Jesus and believe that he's able, because he is. Secondly, have you received Jesus and become a Christian in life? Some of you, you heard the gospel today and maybe the light was flipped on, the switch was flipped, and you, you realize that you've been around church, you've been around religion, and you realize that Jesus is actually offering you a relationship. A relationship that's bigger than a Sunday service and an Easter service. A relationship that's meant to impact how you live. If that's you today, in a moment, I'm going to say a prayer and offer you the chance to pray with me to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to be born again, as Scripture calls it. Some of you, though, you've done that, but you've tripped a wire, you've lost your fuel, You've maybe lost your way and Jesus is calling you back today. And so if you need to recommit your life to Jesus today, to renew your faith in Jesus, I wanna invite you as well to pray with me in this moment. Jesus came, he died, he rose again. And that simple gospel message is worthy of our praise, our worship, and we can receive him into our lives today. If you'll bow your heads with me, close your eyes. If you're online, we have a host there available as well. If that's you today that needs to invite Jesus into your life for the first time or maybe in an act of renewing or recommitting your life, I want to just invite you to pray this with me now. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. You're welcome to pray out loud that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. I confess I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I ask you today to come into my life. Save me with your power and help me to live for you all of my days. Thank you for your saving love and power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, if you asked Jesus into your heart today, all of heaven, scripture says, is celebrating with you and so are we. We would love to connect with you. We would love to even pray with you. In a moment, we're gonna sing a song and have prayer partners available to pray. Come talk to them, connect with them. We have a, a spot online, uh, pathwayvb.com slash Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, please take a moment, fill that out if you're online or you're in person. Let us know because we want to walk with you and, and, and be there for you as you have questions and other things in the days ahead. God is good, y'all. He is worthy of our worship. He has a power like no other. Some of you are laughing because you're like, wow, the South has already got this dude. Yeah, I said y'all. You'll stand if you're able. We're going to sing 
and praise him. The kneeling benches and altars are open. You're welcome to come forward. We'd love to pray with you. This right now is our moment of celebration of who he is and this power like no other. So Father, we give it to you and we ask that as we praise you and worship you, you would have your way in this room. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you that you have a power like no other. We celebrate what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen.